I want to welcome you here to Cornerstone Church. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here today. My name is Sean Afke. I'm the lead pastor here. Amen. Well, welcome to summertime. Finally getting a little bit warmer, isn't it? Amen. Well, we have a lot of things going on here. I don't want to go through all the announcements, but if you're visiting here, this is not the way the stage usually looks. I usually come out and in a, uh, in a knight's, knight's armor anyway, but then... Um, our va- va- vacation Bible school starts tomorrow evening, amen, and it's going to be good. We'll have two to three hundred kids here, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Always is a great time at vacation Bible school. I want to encourage you, you can still invite people and uh, have them come. It is free, and uh, I-, I think we have one of the va- best vacation Bible schools around that personally I have ever seen uh, in my whole life. I mean, uh, you know, the highlight of my vacation Bible school was growing up is I got cookies. And they're still, I think they still get cookies today, right? If they don't, I will change that. Anyway, <laughs> that's the reason I'm a believer. I got good cookies. No, um, but we do have a great vacation Bible school. Many kids come to the Lord. We even have families come to the Lord uh, in our vacation Bible school. So I would encourage you to invite somebody to it. Amen and uh, do that. Also, at the end of the service today, we are going to be taking up an offering for One Nation One Day. Don't forget that, so give to that. We're going to have a part in that. We'll give you more updates as they come along to us to see in Honduras the whole nation saved. Amen. We're believing God for that, and we'll have you prayer things that you can be praying about uh, coming up in the next month. And uh, But I want uh, Jared and Jen Montgomery come on up here. Um, for a while, we've been looking for a new youth pastor, and um, you know, as far as you know, we don't move real fast. And if you don't like that tough, um, uh, us as an elders, we we just we pray about things. Now, if the Lord just told, tells us to do it, would we do it? And but we just pray about things. And we've been trying these guys out. We've actually known these guys for years. They they really, in a sense, started coming here when they were fifteen and sixteen years old, and and uh, I've known uh, both of them. They were in my, our youth group here. And uh, Jarrett, uh, just as always, and Jim both have always had a heart for ministry. Uh, Jarrett's gone off, and he's uh, went to uh, Celebration Church down in Austin, Texas, was youth pastor there for a while, and and then came, but really has a heart for Kansas City, and came back here. And we didn't have a position for him at the time, so he started, you know, just working. He started an internship, had one of the best internships we've ever had. He uh, started a uh, yeah, and. Um, he started a um, uh, college group, which doing ministry to college-age uh, people is not easy. It's not because of them. It's just they're always in transition and everything. And so did a great job with that. I mean, and we didn't pay him a cent. And he did it free. Amen. But, you know, that's how we recognize people. Not because they do things for free, but because they just do things. They see a need and they just do it. They don't complain about it. They just have it. And... Uh, He's been very faithful, and, uh, and so uh, the elders have decided last week that we're going to place him as our new youth pastor. So let's give him a hand. Amen. And, uh, and so you have young people or young people even coming up. Um, you'll be uh, invited to uh, just a meet and greet uh, with uh, them and just get talk about vision of the youth ministry and... Uh, and I tell you what, man, every time he would actually go with me, I didn't, I didn't have time to talk about this in first service, but I can hold you guys as long as I can. Second, 
But um, he would every time he would go with me, I would have him do something, do teach. When I would travel a lot, um, when I was youth pastor, and uh, every time, every church, every place wanted to keep him. I wouldn't let him. And um, but I tell you what, there's an anointing on these two. Jen works with the Blue Springs. She's a teacher in, in Blue Springs schools. And uh, I tell you what, let's reach forward our hands towards them. Let's pray for them because it's not easy being a youth pastor these days. And uh, I tell you what, youth and children really need us as a church. And so we're going to do everything we can to reach these guys. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for these two, and I just bless them. And I pray that they will get a, a spirit of you, Father God, on their lives, where they just look at each one of these young people that are coming in and see vision and purpose for them. Never give up on them. Always love them. Give them the word and disciple them in Jesus' name. And I just bless these two, God. Protect them, Lord, against all the onslaught of the enemy that's going to try to come against them. But he will not prevail because greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give these guys a hand. Amen. Bless you guys. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. You can look in your bulletin. There's some uh, notes you can follow along. We're in a series of this summer. We're going through Galatians and Ephesians. And um, last week we went through Galatians 1. And Galatians 1 was talking about these Judaizers. These are um, uh, people that might have been Jews that weren't Christians, but trying to get people away from Christianity. Or it could have been, you know, Christians, but wanted to do things in their own, own power and strength and was wanting and coming against Paul and the church there in Antioch, coming against them uh, to say, hey, listen, salvation is by grace, it's more by works, that you need to do that, you need to be circumcised, you need to you know, follow the Jewish laws and everything. And so this is what Paul is dealing with. And so in Galatians chapter 2, he, he goes into more detail on legalism, and he gives us a couple examples on things, on, on what's going on here. In Galatians chapter 2, we see an example here of legalism. And like what we talked about last week, legalism is this, working in your own power, trying to get to God and in your own strength, your own ability, thinking that if I, in a sense, read my Bible more today, God's going to love me more. And let me just say this right now, that um, you can't make God love you more. God's love does not get better with, with you because you do more for Him. He loves you just the same. See, God's pleasure in you is not based on your performance uh, for Him. Just because you perform and you're doing everything great doesn't mean God loves you more or you have more favor on, on you. See, God's love is perf perfect. And when He poured it out on you, it was perfect. He poured it out completely. It doesn't get better with time. It is there, and it's fully there for you. And it's not based on your performance. And that's what legalism is, is that we try to do everything based on our performance. So if I read my Bible more today, I feel really good about myself. How many of you guys have ever done that? You feel really good, and it's okay to feel good about yourself. I want you to know that. But it's also okay to feel good about yourself even when you didn't read your Bible. Now, don't look at me like that. See, the thing about it is, is that we think that God is, likes us better, that He's more proud of us, 
when we do everything right. And listen, let me tell you something. He loves you. He is proud of you. He has a vision for you and his giftings that he give you are without repentance. He doesn't take them away one day and give them back the next because you just you did well. And the thing about legalism is, is this is what it does. It puts your focus on man. That if you can do the work yourself, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to look at yourself and you're going to praise not him, you're going to praise me. Not just me personally, but you're going to praise yourself. Oh, look at me. Look, look at what I did today. And look at what you didn't over there. I am better than you, and so God loves me more. Isn't that what, how we feel sometimes? So you, come on, be truthful. That's the way the, the Pharisees thought. You know, at least I'm not them. I did this. I give more than you. I do this more than you. I, I serve more than you. Come on, give me my badge, my gold star. And, you know, that's all about. That's not God. See, your righteousness is a filthy rags, the Bible says. And so Paul's dealing this with this in, in chapter 2, and he's dealing with this legalism, and this is exactly what's happening here. And you see at the very beginning, he talks about Titus, and that Titus wasn't compelled. Titus is a Gentile. And Gentiles are non-Jews, people who aren't Jews. And so, uh, so they were really wanting Titus to be circumcised. And Titus wasn't compelled to be circumcised. And uh, you say, well, what's so important about being circumcised? Well, it was very important to the Jews of the day because the old covenant was really about, you know, you do all these things right, you'll be good. And well, well, God knew we couldn't do that. We couldn't be good enough. You can't be good enough yourself. And so that's why he sent Jesus. So he became good enough and he was good enough for us and so we don't have to be good enough. We just have faith in Jesus Christ and trust in Him. And so Paul is having these Judaizers trying to get people to do this and that and everything else. And it just doesn't work. And so he's coming against this idea that I have to do this. He was coming against the idea that all the Gentiles had to be circumcised and they had to follow these laws. And he said, no, that's not what it is. You don't have to do that. But listen, what these Judaizers were asking isn't bad, though. It isn't bad to be circumcised unless you're 30 years old. Come on, men, say amen. So do it young. It's not bad to follow the laws. It's not bad to follow the Ten Commandments. Those are good things. But what's happening, and this is what legalism is, and this is what happens with legalism, is that we have the right behavior, but the wrong belief. See, it's not wrong to read the Bible, but it becomes wrong when we think and have the wrong belief system that thinking that the more I read it, God loves me more or I'll gain more favor with the Lord or I'll get a star with the Lord and he'll like me more than you or, you know, I'm better than that. See, that's not that's not the Lord. It's the wrong belief system. See, it's right to to, to read the Bible. It's right to praise the Lord. It's right to do all those things. And it's good to do those things, but it doesn't give you anything better with the Lord. The Lord still loves you no matter what. You are accepted by God, and it doesn't increase your acceptance because you, you read the Bible. Does it help me personally? Yes. If I read the Bible more, if I, if I worship the Lord. But just like I talked about last week, it's not that I have to do that, it's that I get to do that. 
And see, when we're legalists is when we think we have to, and I have to do that because I, 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 God will like me more, and I'll get more stuff from him. No! He's already fully given everything he's going to give to you. You can't be good enough. It is all done, is what we'll talk about later in chapter 3. It's all done by faith and trust in him. It's all by loving him. And here's Paul, Paul's talking about that. So having a good quiet time, coming to church, doing those stuff, serving people is all good. But when it's coupled with the wrong belief system, that thinking that I have to do it and that God loves me more when I do it is completely wrong. You know, there's times in my life, I deal with this, that there's times, you know, there's days that, man, I'm going forth for God. I mean, I I'm reading the Bible, I'm getting revelation, I'm praying, God and I are tight, you know? But then there's going to be the next day, and we're not like that. And my attitude goes way down, and I don't... And see, that's legalism. Do I... Do I, I, I is it good for me to have those things? Yes. But it's the understanding that God loves me the same yesterday when I was all for and I'm doing all these other things, the same today when maybe I didn't do it. And maybe I failed. He still loves me and still accepts me. See, what legalism does is it really takes you away from the real truth of who God is and having that real relationship with Him. And that's why Paul is really talking about this and coming against these legal legalists, these Judaizers, saying, listen, this is not the gospel. The gospel is the good news that I couldn't do it, but so Christ did it for me, and I trust in Him, and I have faith in him and so now because i understand that now i can have a a better relationship with the lord and i read my bible because i want to i worship because i want to not because i have to because i get to i love him i give because i want to i uh i i witness because i want to legalism is the right behavior, but with the wrong belief, which still in, puts you into slavery. And so this is what Paul's dealing with here. But Paul goes on, gives us another example. There's one extreme of legalism. But then in verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11, he goes into another thing, and he calls in his hypocrisy. See, the second part of this, this chapter is an example of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is this, is right belief with wrong behavior. And so here in chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, Paul does something here. It's very awkward. He confronts the apostle Peter publicly. And so it's a very um, intense moment here in the church. And this is what's happening, because we have to understand this. Both Legalism and hypocrisy, hypocrisy, being a hypocrite, enslaves you. It enslaves us, and it stops us from moving forward. And so here's the point of this. So here's Peter, and Peter was really the first one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, most of us are Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, Okay. And so here's what's happening is, is that Peter used to eat with the Gentiles and hang out with them. But here in Galatians chapter 2, or in Galatians, 
he's, he starts, he's not doing that. In fact, it talks about how he pulls away because of other people. And he's hearing what these Judaizers are saying, and not just him. There's James, there's Barnabas, and, uh, and others that are, are saying no, which they once did before. Let me show you. Turn, keep your finger there. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Let me show you what's happening here. Let me give you some history. Let me get a little background. Because the church of Antioch is what's being talked about here in Galatians chapter 2. And the church in Antioch is mainly Gentiles and uh, people who are non-Jews. And Peter had gone to them in Acts chapter 10. Now look what was happening. Here in Acts chapter 10, it's a story about Cornelius. And Cornelius was a, a Gentile. And so he was a God-fearing Gentile. And here in Acts chapter 10, he has a dream. He has a vision from the Lord. And the, an angel in the vision told uh, 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 Cornelius, he says, listen, I want you to get your men, and I want you to go, tell them to go to Peter's house and have them, him come and talk to you. And so Cornelius sends his men to go to Peter's house to get Peter to bring him back to Caesarea. And so as they are going, Peter's at his home, and he goes up on the rooftop and decides, and he goes up to pray, and, and the Lord gives him a dream. And in this dream, he had like a sheet that was coming down from heaven that's being held on four corners. And on the sheet were all the um, four-footed animals, the reptiles, and birds of the air. And, and the, in the dream, the Lord tells Peter, go and kill and eat. And Peter says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And so, and so God tells him, I want you to do this. I want you to kill and, and eat uh, uh, what's on this, this, uh, this blanket. And Peter says, no, I can't do that. I can't kill and eat. And God begins to say to him, he says, now listen, Peter, what I have made, what I have made clean is clean. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, the um, uh, blanket goes back up to heaven. And so here is Peter, he's, he's thinking, what's going on here? And the Lord begins to deal with him, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the men from Cornelius' house came to get him, and as he, they knock on the door, and he's, well, he's coming down whatever way it happened, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit tells him, I want you to go with them. I want you to do, do what they said. And so here, Peter decides to go. Now, I want you to understand something about food here with, with the Jewish people and the Gentiles. You may not think, what's, what's wrong with just sitting down and eating some, with somebody or hanging out with somebody? Well, before, the, before Jesus came, Jews were not allowed by God to hang out with non-Jews. They weren't supposed to. And the reason is, is because God didn't want the, uh, the idolatry of Gentiles or the immorality to be affecting uh, the Jewish nation. Now, the whole point of the Jewish nation in the Old Testament was to bring about Jesus. So he didn't want any of that to affect it because they had no power over sin. You understand that? We now have power over sin because of grace, because of what Jesus did. They didn't. And so they were not allowed to do that. Also, there were dietary uh, laws within the Jewish uh, people from God that they couldn't eat certain things. You know, you and I as Gentiles, we see a pig and we think bacon and we're going to fry it. Uh. 
You're going to love this story because this will set you free if you like bacon. (laughs) And so that's why for them, for a Jew, to eat with a Gentile was, you know, there's twofold. It's, It's wrong times two because he couldn't even relate with Gentiles. And at this time, they didn't think what Jesus did was for the Gentiles. They thought it was just for the Jewish nation. And so he comes to Cornelius' house with the men. He brings some other people with him. And uh, Cornelius drops down on the floor and just, you know, in honor of Peter. And Peter says, get up, I'm just a man. And he tells Cornelius, he says, listen, you understand what I'm doing here is wrong by my laws. You understand? Because Cornelius just didn't have himself. He had all his family and friends and everybody else around. So it was... Peter looked in this room probably and saw all these people and says, there's a lot of Gentiles here. And it's not just meeting with one. I'm meeting with a bunch of people. So he looks at Cornelius and he says, you know this is wrong. But the Lord told me through that dream, not, he wasn't really talking about food as much as it was talking about what God had made clean. And he was talking about every man and every woman is now clean. And so he says, that's why I'm here. And so Peter begins to start preaching the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. And he starts preaching there in Cornelius' house and started just to, just to tell them about the Lord and tell them about you know, what Jesus did. And because uh, he understood, and like it says in verse 34, that God doesn't show favor but now accepts men from every nation and and who fear him and does what is right. And in verse 44, listen to what happens. While Peter was still speaking these words, telling them about the gospel, the good news, the Holy Spirit came on all those Gentiles who were hearing the message and the circumcised believers, that means the Jews that were with him, who was with Peter, who had come with him, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter says, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They received the Holy Spirit. He has seen them and seen them receive the power of God and the ability of God. And so he ordered for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so they had asked Peter to stay for the rest uh, for a few more days. Now, the majority of us in this room are Gentiles, and I want you to understand this is awesome for us that this was the start of all the non-Jews, Gentiles, receiving what Jesus did at the cross, and this became the start, really, of the, the local church as a whole. Not just in the Jewish community, but in the in the whole. And every single man, woman, and child are available there. And this was, this was controversial because it go on in chapter 11 and verse 1, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea, it says, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, they started criticizing him. And they began to criticize because this was a huge change. For thousands of years, they were not even supposed to have a relationship with them or eat with them. And now that's completely changed. But they began to see and hear that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they had received the power of God and they received everything. And so the disciples uh, began to say, if God is for them, how can we be against them? 
And so they began to say, okay, they began to accept them. And in verse 26, the disciples, in chapter 11 of Acts, the disciples were first called Christians at where? Antioch. Now go back to Galatians 2. Now this is where we're at. See, now Peter had, had brought this to the, the Gentiles at Antioch. And here we are. This is where Christianity for the Gentiles started. And here now he is backing away from that. He's being a hypocrite because he believes one way and does another. He believes one way and does another. He has the right belief system, but, but he's doing another thing. He's not doing what God had told him to do. And so Paul here, he calls him on it. He says, listen, man, you have the right belief, but your behavior's wrong. You have the right belief system, but why are you doing what you're doing? You're a hypocrite. That's basically what Paul's calling, on, calling him in on. And see, we can be like that today. We can either be a legalist, think we can do it in our own strength, or we can be a hypocrite, that we believe that what Christ did inside of us, but we're not, there's no change in us. And Paul deals with this throughout, throughout his writings. You know, somebody said one time, man, that guy's legalist. I said, why? Because he was confronting this guy on some sin issues. I said, well, that's not legalism. That's called Christianity. Because you can have one side, and Paul's dealing with this one side on legalist, but he comes over and starts looking at even the Apostle Peter being hypocritical. Is that if you believe something, then it's going to come out of you, and you're going to be and live like that. But not on your own power. I believe legalists are more hypocritical than anybody else. And that's what Peter was starting to become. He was becoming, oh, it's by works, but I know this is what God told me to do. It's like us today. See, when you give your life to the Lord, there is grace. That's the enablement of God to change in your life. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect all the time, but there's change. And if you think you have to do things, you have to work at it, and you have to do these certain steps to do it, how many guys know doing the steps does not work without the power of God? And see, what happens is, is when, like, Paul's coming against us, and this whole series is titled Freedom. We never learn freedom until we realize to trust in what Jesus did. And when we're being legalistic, then we're going to become hypocritical because we're not going to do what we say we believe. Like Paul was talking about people with, who are having sexual immorality, they're liars, they're cheaters, and stuff like that. He says, why are you doing that? Why are you doing the things you used to do? You are better than that. Why? Not because you can do it of yourself, because, man, boy, look what God's given you and how much He loves you and how much the grace He's enabled you to live the life that He's called you to live. And so here Paul is saying, hey, listen, you guys are better than that. And Paul's saying, Peter, what are you doing? You, you, you're a hypocrite. You're the one who, who brought this message to him. You believe it. And here Paul just confronts that. And see, we are able to get out of our sin. We are able. We don't have to be hypocrites. Because what we believe in our heart, if we put our trust in the Lord, and this is what Paul deals with the last part of this chapter, and we'll go into chapter 3 in a couple weeks on this, is that how can we not be legalistic and not be hypocritical? How can we not stay away from those two things. Well, Paul goes in 
in chapter 2, verse 15 through 21, and he gives us this example, this one thing. Faith alone. Trusting in him, in Christ. Because the only way we're going to have right belief with right behavior is not because we have a list of rules that we follow every single day. It's not because we, we follow those rules and we're doing it all in our own strength. It's because we're trusting in Him and in the grace of God and having faith alone. In chapter 2, verse 15, look what it says here. It says, We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of, of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith. Underline faith. What is faith? Trusting in Him. Faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be satisfied or justified. Faith is it. And so a lot of times we don't like that. But that's the only way you're, gonna, you're not going to be legalistic and try to get there in your own strength and your own power because you always fail in that. I always fail in that. Or be hypocritical <clears throat> and never change. The only way we're going to do that is to sit on our butt, look up to heaven and trust in Him. And rely on the power of God. Because if you're always doing the list of rules and trying to do it in your own strength, you'll never rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And when you don't even worry about it and you're looking at that and you never change there and you're being hypocritical, you're never relying on the power of God. But when you put your faith in Him and your trust in Him, you're being led by Him. And so you're not having to do worship. You're not have, you don't have to read the Word. You're being led by the Spirit of God and you're being led on what to read and how to worship and what to give and how to live your life. And it's being empowered by not your own ability, not your own filthy righteousness. It's being empowered by the Spirit of God that's inside of you. And that's when we begin to win in our life. Not because we live it by our own power, but by the power of God that's inside of us. And that is where true freedom comes. How many of you guys want freedom? Amen? Man, I want to be free. Over and over again, it's about faith. I live by faith. It says in verse 20, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Everything in this passage in fact, everything in Christianity revolves around my trust in Him. My trust in the finished work of God. That I am no longer a sinner. That I am saved. I am justified. Because through faith in Christ Jesus, we are accepted before God. I'm accepted. I am justified by faith. Justification is this. It's the gracious act of God by which God declares a sinner righteous, solely based not on what he or she does, but based on faith and what he's already accomplished. That's justification. He declares me righteous. You know, listen, this is not a process. It's an act. It's not, oh, I'll get there one day. You'll never get there one day. You are already there. 
you are already justified. He already loves you, and he's not mad at you. Even that Monday that you didn't get up early and read the Word like you had been doing the week before, he is not mad at you. Do we need to do those things? Are those good things to do? Yes! But in the right belief where I'm not in bondage anymore, that I am free and I can be led by the Spirit of God. I can be led by Him and, and, and receive the power and His ability. Romans 5.1 says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken with God. We have been justified. God declares me justified. And through faith in Christ, we are made alive to God. We live by faith. We die to sin. We die to ourselves. And He changes our life. And we're not in debt to Him. Did you know you're not in debt to Christ? He freely gave you that. And we are filled with the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul wants us, wants, he's trying to get everybody to know. Don't go by your works anymore. Listen, let me tell you something. If works could do it, you had already, you already done it yourself. Jesus didn't need to come. And in Christianity, I know I'm that way too. Thinking, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. I'm going to be better and better and better. But listen, it doesn't work. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit of God inside of you will you get better as far as what you think you need to get better in. That's the only way you're going to defeat sin in your life. That's the only way you're going to have that in your life. It's not because of your works, but just trusting in Him and realizing He loves me. And He's passionate about me. I love what Paul says in verse 20, chapter 2. He says, in fact, I think this is a really moving text. He says, he loves me and he gave himself for me. That's powerful. And I want to remind you that. That based on those truths, he is passionate about you. He loves you and me. Not because you read 50 scriptures and memorized half of them. But because he, what he did at the cross. He loves you. And He cares for you. Not because you do everything right. Not because you pray hard enough. Because He loves you. We don't like that, do we? Because we don't understand true love. When, when you start having faith in God, you'll understand true love because faith works by love. When you just really rest in the finished work of the cross, you don't have to worry about being a hypocrite. You won't have to worry about being a legalist because it's not about you. You are not the God. It's all about Him. And you trust in that. And that's where you receive the power to live. Amen? And if you're dealing with an addiction, that's where you'll receive power to live. If you're dealing with Issues of hate in your life. That's the only way is by looking into Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Amen? See, God loves you and He's passionate about you. The God of this universe 
is passionate about you because he paid a price for you. He died for you. He gave himself for you. He did all this stuff for you and I that we just trust in him. And as I do that, I love to read the word. I love to worship. I love to minister. I love to invite people to church. I don't have to throw up like Vince does. I do it out of the grace of God. You know what? I said this first service. We make it Christianity too hard. We make life in general too hard. And where he came to make it easy. He came to bring us back into the place where we were before we sinned. In the Garden of Eden. That's what he did. To restore that. And we can live in that and just trust in him. Because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. This is why we are saved. And Paul deals with this by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's where I put my trust. Amen? Your marriage will be better. Your relationships will be better. Your kids will be better. Because if you're a legalist, you're going to look on everybody else the same way. Because you're going to have these certain standards that no one can live up to. How many ever been there? I have. Let's just release that right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Just release it right now. Release being a legalist. You need to do that because you'll be a hypocrite if you don't. And the only way to get right beliefs with right behavior is dying to yourself. That means releasing control and trusting in Him, in Jesus, and having faith in Him. So right now where you're at, just release control. Get freedom right now. Receive freedom from all that. Receive freedom that you have to, all these have-tos, I have to, I have to, I have to. Release that right now. And just receive the grace of God, and put your trust into Him alone right now. So, Father, we do that right now where we're at. And we just give You our lives in Jesus' name. And we trust in You. We don't trample on what You did. We just trust You that it was good enough. It was perfect, actually. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone looking around, everyone's eyes closed. If you're here today and said, Pastor Sean, I've never given my life to the Lord. Listen, I want to give you an opportunity. You know there's something missing inside of you. I don't have to talk you into it. You know there's something there. There's something you need. And that's the Lord. Everybody was created to have a relationship with Him. The good thing is that Jesus came for you. He took your sin. 
upon himself. He took my sin upon himself. Every wrongdoing, past, present, and future, is all on him. And what he's asking you to do, just like what we talked about, is put your trust in Jesus. Give him your life today. And if you want to receive that right now, it's your choice. You've got to make the choice, though. He doesn't make it for you. He lays it all out for you and said, this is free. It's a free gift of God right now. So if you're here today, what I want you to do is I'm going to have you raise your hand, then you can put your hand down, and I'm going to pray with you. If you want to give your life to the Lord, I want, want you to right now raise your hand, and you can put it down. Anybody in here says, Pastor Sean, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody in here? Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you and we bless you and we love you. And, Father God, we just thank you and we give our life to you right now. We give everything to you. We lose control and we put our trust in you. No longer will we try to get closer to you by works, but we already know that we are accepted, wanted in your throne room, and we have a place there. Not because of what we've done, because you have already performed it. And so we put our faith in that, in Jesus' name. We're going to get rid of our list of rules and regulations that we've really made up ourselves. And we're going to have the right belief with the right behavior. Now, Father God, because what you did inside of us, you are able to perform it. And so what we believe is going to come out on the outside of us, Lord that we're going to live like Jesus, in Jesus' name. Not because we do it ourselves, but because you've empowered us to be able to do it. You've graced us with your spirit, God, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Amen. Come on, let's stand up. Let's worship Jesus. Our prayer team is going to come on up here. If you need prayer for anything, we're here to pray for you. But let's just settle this word in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's worship Jesus. Prayer team, come on up. If you need prayer, we're here for you to pray with you.